It's the Locked On Aggies Podcast, presented by Locked On Podcast Network, talking all things Texas A&M. Now, here's your host, Cole Thompson. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back into another episode of Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat, talking all things Texas A&M, and today we're going to be breaking down just some news coming out of Texas A&M. This past week, we've been kind of focusing in on the future of the program. We want to get you caught up with what's going on right now in College Station As the Aggies have returned to the facility for the first time as one of the 14 schools in the SEC that has been allowed the chance to go out and return for voluntary activities. Before we begin, make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson. I am the host of the show and I always love public feedback. Anything I can do to make this show better, I love hearing from you, the fans, to help make this a more well-rounded show. Remember, right now we're at three to four days a week, but soon we will be at five days a week. And during the summer months, it's a long pressing time for sports needs especially in a world without sports right now so anything I can do to make this show better I am more than happy to take advice from you and more importantly follow us at Locked on Aggies. Locked on Aggies is your number one source for all things Texas A&M related content here on the Locked on Podcast Network. You can give us a follow at Locked on Aggies. Give us a like on Spotify and iTunes and if you can't do that at least listen to us here at the Locked on Podcast Network at LockedOnPodcast.com. So Kellen Mond made the news earlier this week, and not for the reason that a lot of people would be saying. Instead, it was because of his comments on the removal of an on-campus statue. He was actually uh, talking about the removal of the controversial on-campus statue of former A&M president Lawrence Sullivan Ross. Most people know him as Sully, has been on campus since 1919 Ross, a brigadier general of the Confederate Army, a Texas Ranger, and the 19th governor of Texas, was A&M's president from 1891 to 1898. The statue has been a source of contention in College Station, with thousands signing a petition to call for the statue's removal and thousands of others signing a petition for it to stay. So it's one of those where it's a very cut-and-dry, convoluted, 50% agree, 50% are against it for the removal of Sully's statue. The senior quarterback for AM decided to post his thoughts on the situation via his Twitter page on Tuesday night. Mon titled it, Let's Not Forget Sully, and we're going to go really fast with this or try to at least get the main points out. For the people who say, let's not forget Sully enslaved and killed Indians, let's not forget that he sent the Houston Light Guards first state militia unit into a predominantly black community in Texas to dismantle, kill, and wound people. Jaybird Woodpecker, Fort Bend County. Let's not forget that he was a brigadier general in the Confederate States Army. Let's forget that he was responsible for the deaths of thousands of people as he fought for a government dedicated to the preservation of slavery. Let's forget that he stated... I would not recognize Negroes as soldiers. Texas A&M University would not be here without Sully. Why can't we forgive him and look past all the good that he's done? That is like saying someone who murders half of a family but gives the other half of the family millions of dollars in resources to be successful for the rest of their lives should be forgiven by the family. Based on your ideologies, people should forgive the murderer because he made up for his horrific actions by giving half of the family an opportunity to succeed. Based on your ideology, not only should you forgive the murderer, but you should also glorify the murderer. 
The Declaration of Clauses, February 2nd, 1861, we hold an undeniable truce that, uh, that the governments of various states and the Confederacy itself were established exclusively by the white race for themselves and their posterity, that the African race had no agency in their establishment, that they were rightfully held and regarded as an inferior and dependent race, and in that the condition only could their existence in this country be rendered beneficial or tolerable. The values of Texas A&M University do not align with racism, violence, slavery, and segregation, but Jimbo Fisher's most promising saying will always stick with me. Your action speaks so loud that I can't hear what you're saying. The Lawrence Sullivan Ross statue needs to be removed. Texas A&M, I need to see action. Now, of course, this is following up right around the same time as Chuba Hubbard from Oklahoma State's comments on Mike Gundy's OAN shirt. So, players standing up to their universities for things that they believe in need to change is becoming a bigger deal. And while the OAN shirt, which is a very politically right-wing news network sponsored by Donald Trump, the president of the United States, is a little different than the racism that goes behind the Sully statue, it still is a big deal. And naturally, Mon had both criticism and compliments from former Aggies. He was backed on Twitter by many of his teammates, as well as former A&M players like Heisman Trophy winner Johnny Manziel. But also, additionally, many former Aggies spoke out against people protesting against the state's removal, including one that held a sign that read, Aggie tradition matters. Dalen Mack actually tweeted this out, Disappointing to see counter-protests against racism, especially from a place I attended and call home. Embarrassing. We have to do better. So one of the biggest things that I take away from Mon's comments, especially as someone who is from African-American descent, it's not about the statue, what it represents. It's kind of like back to Christopher Columbus. If anyone can remember that big argument that happened a few years ago when we changed the name from Columbus Day to Indigenous Peoples Day, you're honoring the fact that, yeah, while they did a lot of good for the university, it's it, Columbus was very much remembered for discovering America. But he also was known as someone who was brutal, who treated the indigenous people of San Salvador and other countries that he found very poorly. It's the same thing. I don't think Mon, in any sense of the word, is coming out and saying, okay, let's not forget that Sully is a former president of the university. Let's not forget that what he did for the school. Let's not forget all the money he did. But if we're not going to forget that, if we're going to forget that, we also have to, we cannot forget the bad that he did. He treated people of color horribly. He fought for a army that was for slavery. He fought as uh, in Texas to get rid of the indigenous people and Native American tribes. If you want to only point out the good in someone, you also have to point out the bad. One of the biggest things I think comes from today's world is we're so used to pointing out the bad in people instead of finding the good. But we have to find the middle ground. And it goes both ways. We have to be able to say, okay, someone who might be really good, he did one thing bad. We have to bring it up. But just because someone did did one thing bad and a lot things good does not mean that they are a bad person. We have to look at this. 
So when you break it down, as much as uh, as much as Sully donated to Texas A and M, the bad outweighs the good. And, and right now, especially in the country we're living in, it's very hard to justifiably say we need to leave up a statue of a Confederate leader just because he played a role in finding our university in Alabama, where the Civil Rights Movement went on. They've taken down statues of Confederate leaders. If Alabama can do that, Texas A&M has to follow in very similar protocol. Speaking of protocol, how many of you have a part in your car that you regularly like to change? For me, it's my air filter. I think that it's very easy to do. And more importantly, I can save a couple bucks. That's why I use rockauto.com instead of going to the actual mechanic. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto part customers online for the past 20 years. They have everything from engine control modules to brake pads, motor oil, and even new carpets. And the biggest thing of all, you can even find the back of a tailgate. One of our own hosts, Ross Jackson of Locked On Saints, found his tailgate stolen off the back of his pickup truck, and he got a new one from the website. Because of their own unique catalog that becomes markably easy to navigate, you can quickly see all your vehicle, your brand, specifications, and even the price you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are usually reliably low, and they are for the usual do-it-yourself professionals instead of going to spend twice as much at a mechanic. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car. Right, locked on in their How'd You Hear About Us page so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, and all the parts you could ever need. RockAuto.com is the place for you and your car today. When we come back, a brand new rankings of the SEC West standings has come out. Where does AM rank? I can tell you this much, it's not number one, and you'll be shocked where it is. So don't go anywhere, we'll break down the rankings in just a quick moment. Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, let me get your opinion on something. Do you like quality podcasts surrounding your favorite sports teams by people who know exactly what they are talking about? If so, why not listen to a Locked On Podcast? The Locked On Podcast Network has over two dozen college sports shows, plus every team covered in the NFL, NBA, NHL, MLB, and highlight up-to-date information for your fantasy sports teams. So go ahead and download us on iTunes, listen on Spotify, and if you can't do any of that, at least listen at LockedOnPodcast.com. 24-7 Sports, Brandon Marcello came out with his picks for the SEC West rankings, and naturally, there are going to be people who are upset with it. I'm sorry, that's just kind of how it goes. Coming in at number seven was Arkansas. Coming in at number six, Mississippi State. Number five was Ole Miss. Number four, Texas A&M. Three, LSU. Two, Auburn. And number one, Alabama. Now, a lot of people here on this podcast are going to be probably very shocked to go, why was A&M number four? Well, according to Marcelo, who, again, we will respect his wishes. I I personally don't see it. But you know what? Again, let's just break down and see what he had to say about why AM was finishing fourth. Texas AM is a popular pick to challenge for one of the top spots in the SEC, and it's easy to see why so many expect the Aggies to potentially be a top 10 team. They rank 16th nationally in the returning production. 
The expectation is that quarterback whisperer Jimbo Fisher will continue to improve Kellen Mond, whose completion percentage has jumped every year in College Station, but the Aggies have propensity for struggling in big moments in the recent years. The lone standout is the incredible seven-overtime win against LSU, which wasn't without controversy in 2018. Do the Aggies suddenly make a big jump in uh, with much of the same pieces? I don't see it with Mond as the quarterback, even while others project him to be a potential first-round pick in the 2021 draft. Isaiah Spiller will be a star at running back, but what about the offensive line that struggled at times last season? Four starters return, but they need to make a big jump to contend for a title. The defense allowed too many explosive plays last season, but still managed to finish above a top 25 in defensive SP+. So again, basically what this comes down to is Marcelo is sold that Mon is not the answer at quarterback. And I politely disagree with Marcelo. Sorry. Sorry, Brandon. I just do. I don't think that this is a knock on you. I just think it's a knock on your analysis because of you did bring up a second part that I will give you a lot of credit for. I don't think Mond is the biggest problem on the offense. Mond last year had a down year overall after what was a very competent sophomore season. I think a lot of people would agree that Mond's sophomore season has been his best since coming out of San Antonio. But last year, the offensive line allowed an average of six pressures a game. They also allowed 33 sacks on the year. You add all of that together... And I just think it's a bigger problem than people are making it. Making it, I think that everyone puts the pressure on the quarterback to be the problem and to be the solution, and that's not always the case. I mean, I mean, take a look at this for for example. We don't all have the same skill sets as Deshaun Watson, who before 2019 was playing behind the worst offensive line period in the NFL period in leak history if not ever period in my personal opinion that offensive line did zero favors for Watson it got him hurt it stalted this to Texans start of his career and now you're looking at him they finally have built around him the offensive line last year was horrendous for A&M Colton Prater was pretty good uh I think you could say maybe Kenyon Green for a freshman was pretty good but that's it Everyone else had trouble last year. There wasn't one guy who stood out immediately in the trenches, which led to pressure coming up the middle, which led to Mond throwing the ball away on third and long or third and short, which led to punts by Braden Mann. And then, of course, the defense had a lot of explosive plays that they allowed. You can't blame all of that on Mond. Sometimes a good secondary will cover your top target, and if you don't look past your first weapon, you're kind of screwed. But if you aren't able to also get a 3, 5, or 7 step back drop, you're also kind of screwed. I just look at all of that, and you take away Spiller being pretty much the only consistent running back last year after Jay Sean Corbin got hurt, and you take away the offensive line, yeah, maybe Mond is the reason why this team struggled. But... You have one true running back. You have an average to below average offensive line. And a quarterback hoping to take that next step playing in the SEC. You're going to have struggles. Oh, and you also faced off against five top ten opponents. Three who were ranked number one at one time. 
You take out Clemson, you put in Colorado, they're having their own troubles. You take out Georgia, you put in uh, Vanderbilt, they're having just as much troubles, if not more. I don't see why this does not look like a win for AM. Again, you're also saying when you say that AM is finishing fourth, that LSU is finishing 10 and 2. At least based off this, or AM is going to lose a trap game to either LSU, Auburn, and Alabama, or you throw maybe in Mississippi State as the trap game. So they're finishing 9 and 3. You're saying LSU is going to finish 10 and 2. Auburn's going to finish 10 and 2. And Alabama's going to be undefeated. Again, the Alabama one is at least plausible because of even with the loss of Tua Tagovailoa, with the loss of Henry Ruggs, with the loss of Jerry Judy, you still have Devonta Smith, you still have Jalen Waddle, you still have a pretty solid offensive line, you still have Najee Harris in the backfield, and the defense completely replenishes every single season. That's an easy one to say. But can you say the same thing about Bo Nix and Auburn? Can you say the same thing about what's going to happen in LSU after all their starters are gone and their offensive coordinator, guru genius Joe Brady's in the NFL, and Dave Aranda's now down in Waco? Can you say the same thing's going to happen? I don't know. I think that we're building up for this to be maybe a letdown season by both LSU and, if not LSU and Auburn, at least LSU. We're building up for it. That's for sure. But while maybe perhaps 24-7 sports is not building up for AM to be successful in 2020, there is another analyst who does think Kellen Mond and Jimbo Fisher will exceed expectations. Who was that guy? Don't get go anywhere. We'll catch you up in just a quick moment. The Lockdown Podcast Network stands against racism and social injustice. That's why we, the hosts, are making personal donations to local and national organizations that are fighting for a change. And in the month of June, Locked On is matching the total of all of our host donations up to an additional $10,000. To make your own donation along with us, please visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash Black Lives Matter. That website is LockedOnPodcast.com slash Black Lives Matter. Howdy, everybody. It's Cole Thompson from Locked On Aggies. And much like you, I am a health-conscious guy trying to stay in shape during quarantine. But you always got to have your daily dose of breakfast foods. And for me, who's always on the run... I found a tasty new treat in Built Bars. Built Bar is an amazing protein bar that tastes exactly like a candy bar and comes in 16 amazing different flavors. My personal favorites include the mint chocolate chip and the salted caramel. All the bars are covered in 100% chocolate and they're soft and easy to chew. Built Bar is not only good, but it's good for you and it's covered in the chocolate that everyone loves. Plus, not only will it help you lose weight, it can help you maintain weight as a delicious treat. Take, for instance, the peanut butter brownie bar. It comes with 20 grams of protein, 170 calories, 3 grams of sugar, and 3 net carbs. You're not going to find another treat like that out here. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON to save $10 off your first order. That code is locked on for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. So whatever you're doing to stay in shape during this quarantine offseason, make sure you're using it with Built Bar. Not only will you see results, but you'll have a tasty treat to start your day off right. Gig em, y'all. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked on Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked on Aggies for all your updated information on 12th Man Sports. 
So we were going to talk about Cole Kubik and what he believes for AM in 2020, how their season's going to pan out. But then a buddy of mine actually reached out to me and said, dude, you have to check out this thread of the SEC coaches dressed up as women. If you want to check out this thread on Twitter, it's by KD at not kdk3 that's n-o-t-k-d-k-3 he created a thread using the face app app to make every coach in the sec look like a female and what they would look like so we're gonna go ahead and put names next to these coaches so let's start off with the goat nick saban saban looks exactly like a gymnast coach that's the way i look at this he's got that big smile it looks like he has roses in his hands he's holding up in the picture he's you know he has that kind of brown that brown hair that flows into the wind i think that you could see him make an immediate impact on the uh, on the mat on the bar bean because of the guy looks like he's ready to teach these girls how to strut their stuff and score gold at the olympics Next up is Gus Malzahn, and guys, he looks tired. I mean, in this photo that KD posts of him, he looks like a mom of three kids all under the age of three who is having the worst day. You just want to pour her a bath, get her a glass of rosé, take the kids away from her, and just let her unwind. This looks like Auburn's program exactly. Just every single year, so hyped up, but then one loss, and the entire town goes to turmoil. Coming in next is uh, Ed Orgeron for LSU. Ed looks like a grandma. I mean, like the only way I can describe this is Ed looks like a grandma in this photo. He legit just looks like, hey, guys, how you doing? I want to give you some kisses, y'all. Come on, go. Like, he looks like someone who would take you in, tuck you into bed, wake you up with crawfish etouffee, and treat you better than your own parents do. Next up is Jimbo Fisher. And guys, this is weird. I mean, you have to check out this thread, I'm telling you, because Jimbo Fisher looks exactly like the prom queen. I mean, she's in a suit, and Jimba Fisher, I guess we would call her, looks immediately like the most popular girl in school. She comes from rich Southern money and is definitely a prima donna. I mean, that that's the only way I can describe her. Next... Mike Leach out of Mississippi State. Mike Leach looks like a Karen. I mean, he literally looks like he's about to go on a 20-minute rant or she's about to go on a 20-minute rant about why the food is cold at, at the restaurant, how the food was prepared, how other food has been prepared in the past, other things that you look at that you've got to describe to each other. But Mike Leach is a Karen in this photo. Lane Kiffin's next. Lane Kiffin looks like Britney Spears. I mean, I don't even have to make a joke with this. I don't even have to try to be funny at this. He looks exactly like Britney Spears at age 37 right now. If you were to tell me that if he said, oops, I did again, and she was now coaching the Ole Miss Rebels, I'd be like, yeah, in this photo, I 100% agree. Sam Pittman. Sam Pittman's a lot like another grandma, but she's like, you guys ever see the episode of Parks and Rec where she's, where uh, Ron Swanson's mom comes into town and they have to have that drink-off contest, and Leslie loses because of it's, like, pretty much ethanol. Yeah, that's what Sam Pittman looks like. He looks like Paula Patton's impression of Ron Swanson's mom, Tamara. Dan Mullen is creepy. I mean, listen, there's a face app, and it's supposed to make you look like a female or for females to make you look like a male. This just looks like Dan Mullen with long hair and missing teeth. 
I mean, this is what I would picture when you go to wherever Deliverance was filmed. This is what I picture to see. These long-haired, ratted guys or girls, missing teeth. Just, you ain't coming back. You're not coming back if you hang out with Dan Mullen. I mean, Mark Stoops looks like a toddler. I mean, Mark Stoops in his photo as a woman looks like a four-year-old toddler. Like he's getting ready, she's getting ready to go to daycare and learn about Paw Patrol. That's what I picture when I look at the Mark Stoops photo. It's, It's really creepy looking. Derek Mason, man, I would not want to face Derek Mason at all. This is a horrifyingly accurate photo. Just a pure, just straight, mean mugging. This is someone who, when you cross the street and they bump into you, you apologize to them. That is exactly what Derek's Mason photo looks like. (laughs) Eli Drankowitz looks like my mom. I mean... (laughs) It looks like an older version of my mom without makeup on. I mean, that that's the only way I can describe this one. It literally looks exactly like my mom with the red hair, uh, with the nose, how it's kind of pointed out. My mom has a nose like that. She always is wearing glasses. It's her without makeup. I mean, that's just the only way I can describe it. Kirby Smart. Kirby Smart kind of... There's an actress who Kirby Smart looks like. Like maybe a Melissa McCarthy? I mean, Melissa McCarthy, you ever see the SNL sketch where she's a D3 basketball coach and she's beating up her players? I mean, you could just say this was her in a sketch. You could literally play her as female Kirby Smart. Call her Kathleen Smart. And I guarantee you, nobody would know the difference. You have, uh, man, Will Muschamp just looks like a, like an older Southern Belle. Like a, like a woman who used to do pageantries back in like the 80s. And then married a football player or a baseball star. And has definitely encultured just the Southern pride. That's exactly what she looks like. Like, hi, y'all. You want some sweet tea? That is what I picture when I see uh, Will Muschamp in this photo. And my God. Jeremy Pruitt's weird. I mean, Jeremy Pruitt, he legit looks like in this photo. If this is how he did his hair, this is going to be the hairstyle for anybody in like five years and Jeremy Pruitt is setting the mark right now I'm not even joking you need to check out these go check it out at not kdk3 that's n-o-t-k-d-k-3 if I had to go first place second place third place third place would be uh old Mrs. Lane Kiffin I guess we'll call her Layla Kiffin in this maybe that's a burn maybe it's not second I'm gonna go Jimbo Fisher or Jimba Fisher I think She's a snazzy looking girl who definitely knows what she wants and is big business in this world. But number one is Nick Saban or Nicole Saban, I guess you would say here, because she looks fantastic. I mean, there is no other way to describe Nicole Saban here. Ready to compete on the vault, ready to compete on the beam, ready to run with the rings and pick up that gold medal. Much as she's picked up 16 national championships with like the University of Alabama She's going to pick up six more on the mat for the gymnastics team. That's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Aggies. Make sure you're following us at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked on Aggies. 
And make sure you're also listening to our sister show, Locked on NFL, covering everything heading into the offseason, getting you ready for training camp, which should be around this coming August. We will see you next week with more things to talk about the 12th man. And remember, Giga Meow, this has been Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked on Podcast Network.